0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Okay, welcome to a not-so-typical episode, but I feel like I'm going to start doing things like this more often, just kind of last minute, like, hey, you guys want to chat about this? Um, And then putting it in my solo episode day, like on Thursdays. So, we are talking today about the scrunchie that broke the internet um so just a little bit of background i'm sure everybody knows what i'm talking about but my mom and my mare and i were at kensington palace in london and we were like oh let's go do the afternoon tea so we were stressing even before we left to go to london that was the one thing that was kind of stressing us out because we're like, we don't know what to wear. Like, my mom was looking up, you know, rules online for what you can and cannot wear to afternoon tea in London. But in the back of my mind, I was always like, my mom and my mamare are very much like that. Like, they're very concerned about, like, being underdressed or not wearing something appropriate. Always, like, my whole life. And so it kind of rubs off on me as well. But I know in the back of my mind this is going to be a touristy place and there's probably going to be people in like shorts and Birkenstocks. Like, let's be honest. It's, it's not going to be a typical afternoon tea that, you know, actual royalty, you know, wealthy Londoners go to. Um, So anyways, we, that's kind of like the backstory. And if people were watching my stories on Instagram, they know that we were having these You know debates
1: about afternoon tea etiquette they like it speaks to a generational perspective as well in the sense of being very proper i can remember growing Mm -hmm. up and going to my grandmother's house and my parents would say you know don't put your elbows on the table don't drink the milk out of your cereal bowl that's not what you do at grandma's house right like that there is an element of the different generations
0: yeah it's it's interesting because even when we went to we went and saw wicked at the theater And so, again, it was like, oh, my God, like, do we have to wear a certain thing at the theater? Like, can we not do this? So we show up at the theater. We kind of dress nice. And I put on, like, I didn't wear my running shoes. I put on, like, my other shoes that I brought. We go there, and it's full of kids. It's all, like, kids, like, off a bus, like, with backpacks and baseball hats. And I'm like, oh, good. Mm. I'm happy we stressed about what to wear to the theater. (laughs) (laughs) So... Anyways, we go to Kensington Palace, we go to the tea, and of course, as I, you know, suspected, there's jean jackets cuz I even brought a different cardigan in a backpack to switch into for the tea because my mom's like, "No, you can't wear a jean jacket to afternoon tea." I'm like, "Oh my god." And of course, the first thing I noticed was like jean jackets everywhere. So, we're sitting there doing the tea thing, just like chatting and having a great time. And then I pull out my phone and I I set it up to take a video of me drinking a little cute cup of tea because in my mind I was like I'm going to do content that's like little clips of our trip and that will be one of the clips like me drinking tea it's very london so as I'm doing that camera's rolling my mom starts to say like look at your wrist look at your wrist like look at your arm and I'm trying to ignore her because I'm like, I just want to get this shot, you know, done. And she couldn't think of the word for scrunchie. But in the moment, I didn't know that. And so I was confused. I'm like, what? Like, what? What is happening? And I'm irritated oh. now because she's interrupting my video that I just want to quickly do so I can put my phone away. Um, And so... Finally, I realized... Let's make sure
1: we put a pin right there, a pin that she couldn't find the word scrunchie. I just want to pin that in the context that we're going to talk about today. And then you didn't know what she's talking about. Keep going.
0: Yeah, totally. And so I, I put a scrunchie on my wrist for this episode. <laughs> so once I realized what she was referring to, I said the scrunchie. And again, here's where in the moment I thought she was basically saying you shouldn't have the scrunchie on your wrist for tea, like for afternoon tea. And in my mind, I was like, we've already like we've already gotten here and seen everybody in sandals and jean jackets. Like, so that's why I leaned over and I said, Mom. Like, are you fucking mental? Like, look around. And OK, like, that's aggressive. But that's how we banter in my family. And that's not out of the ordinary. Like, she was not taken aback by that. That was just like Renee being Renee. And then after the fact, I realized that she thought I wouldn't want the scrunchie in my cute video. So that's that was her concern. It wasn't like you shouldn't have a scrunchie on at afternoon tea. She thought, because it was so big and I, that's the hand that I was holding my teacup with. So she was like trying to let me know as I was recording this video, like, do you want that scrunchie in that video? So then my mamare pipes in. Oh, and this is the best part. And this is all rolling. So that's why I said I was like, I'm I'm recording all of this. And my mamare is like, here, like just as a joke, I'll show you how to drink tea, like with her pinky finger out. And that's another thing that we were reading about was the pinky finger not being up. Like, we as Canadians probably think that's, like, the, the posh way to drink tea. But it's actually the opposite when you read up on that. And so that's why I was like, oh, Mehmet, like, you're actually false, like, whatever. And then I put the camera on her and her finger's, like, up in the air. So I recorded that, like, didn't think anything of it. And then later that night, I was going through...
1: You want to say something? So so hang on. So, yeah. So one of the things that I hear in, in this piece, and it's so interesting because social media doesn't give us the context in terms of what we're seeing. We miss so much information. First, your way of being, which now we've sat together several times. I know you're spicy. (laughs) <laughs> There's this part of you that that is like, I'm going to call you out and we're going to do this thing and I can still respect you at the same time. And then you're uh-huh. telling me that there was this element where your mom couldn't find the word for scrunchie. So she was trying to like get get that word out to you. So she was trying to find that word. And then that you're joking and you are viewing this moment as a like, okay, here is this like a thing that is totally typical for our family. We are just doing this thing. And here we go. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's interesting because after the fact, it's a non-issue. Like we enjoyed right. our tea, shared our sandwiches. Like it wasn't right. even a thing. It's like,
1: no, no hard feelings. We laughed. Right. And, and one of the, the immediate things too that comes up for me there, Renee, is this concept around shame and people shaming. And versus having a different opinion. And I found this really interesting because it even showed up in the, which I know you'll talk about all of the comments that showed up on your reel, and that people often say you're shaming, you're trying to shame people about this when you're actually presenting a different point of view. And let's even break down, not the comments that happened with your reel, but this piece here between you and your mom, she wasn't shaming you. She wasn't attacking you. She wasn't criticizing you. Because shame looks and sounds like you are bad. Mm. That's, you're disgusting to put that scrunchie in this video. Why would you even think that? Do you think people are going to actually like you when you do that? Right. That is a shame-based statement. That is shaming and saying there is something inherently wrong with you. But if she's to say something, I don't like that scrunchie why is that scrunchy in the video that's not shaming mm-hmm. that is she is different than you
0: yeah a hundred percent she could think that that is unappealing in the kind of video that i was trying to take whereas for me mm-hmm. i don't care it's almost on uh-huh. brand for me you know what uh-huh, i'm saying uh-huh. so yeah when we got back to the Airbnb later that night, I was sitting downstairs by myself. They were putting on their PJs and stuff and I'm going through the content that I had shot that day and I get to that video and I finally watch it through like beginning to end. And I was pissing my pants laughing. And so they're upstairs saying like, what, what, what's going on? And so they come downstairs. We must have watched that video. 20 times and like they were like bent over like we were dying laughing I was sweating like I was laughing so hard so in my mind I was like okay I have to put this as a TikTok in and of itself
1: because it's so funny um and then which which again shows us the context of your family this is how we connect this is our way of being this is how we show up and this is what makes us feel good and that there's that laughter there. There wasn't any, and it would have been different if it felt different for you. If you had watched that video and said, wow, they were actually kind of harsh on me. Like, maybe I need to source that out. Maybe I need to kind of look at what's happening for me and what was happening for them. That would have been a really different experience. But in this moment, you're saying, this was funny. This was this was us connecting and laughing and all of our own dynamics that make up our family. Mm-hmm. It's it's. And then it was my of course like i'm used to
0: social media to me it's like whatever um Mm -hmm. but my mom like she's reading the comments and she's like oh my god like what is wrong with people like she i think not that it bothered her because at the end of the day like we know how our family is like first of all like my mom and i organized this entire trip for my america like why would i even travel with you know Uh multiple times go to my parents house like as much as possible to hang out with them if i could live with my parents like i probably would but people don't know that part of it and so yeah i think my, my mom was kind of taken aback by some of the comments because and like i wrote down some of the things the words that people were using just for that 45 second clip was like that she was being critical which i did not think so like people were throwing around the word abuse controlling insecure sad someone would never do that to someone that they love shaming toxic you can see the cycle of abuse because like my mom says it to me and then i i like corrected my my mare or said that to my mare judgmental negative rude disgusting and i'm like That is shocking to me. Uh And and like, I I don't know. Like, I was trying to put myself in someone else's shoes, like just scrolling through social media, seeing a video like that. But I honestly don't even think I would. Like, I don't think it would trigger any kind of emotional response for me. But obviously that video did for so many people. But then it's funny because the people that know me that follow my stories, know my family, they thought it was funny.
1: Mm -hmm. They have the context. Yeah. And this is something that is particularly dangerous with social media and also really challenging in terms of creating relationships with people because a lot of our relationships are online now and we show up with our own lens and we project it onto other people and then we believe that to be a truth. And instead of actually stepping out of that and saying there are always going to be multiple truths to a situation, one is yours, one is mine, and then the outside is what actually really happened. And none of them tells the full story because of course, internally, we have so much um, felt sense, internal experience of what it is. And I'm I'm when I read through the comments. I also wanted to add into the comments there because I thought, oh gosh, like, wow, look, look what's happening. We are coming to this with only our own perception. And it was really interesting to see some people comment and to continue to comment and push and push and push their perspective onto other people. So much so actually, I don't know if you know this, but someone who had commented under my comment, she deactivated her account because someone kept pushing back on her. And when I step back from that, I think, oh gosh, this here is a trauma response. Is that if I have to push so hard that you absolutely have to, you must believe me to be true. That comes from trauma somewhere in our histories. And we've all, like you know, let's clarify this. We've all experienced trauma, hurt, disappointments, rejections along the way. Some are to varying degrees and intensities. Um, But when we show up in a relationship like that, which again, how we define that, let's redefine that when we show up in context with other people, when we're doing that, it is coming from a very unhealed, triggered place, instead of being able to step back and say, whew what's going on here? This is really interesting. I'm having this reaction to this and I don't know what that's about. And I can actually see that there's a lot of information about this 30, 60 second clip that I don't know, but it's certainly reflecting something back to me. Mm -hmm. And so I can get really curious about that and say, what am I feeling in this moment? What is it about what you're doing that is triggering me or the other person is doing? And what is it reminding me of in my own life? And what is it maybe something that I haven't healed just yet?
0: I I find like this was obviously a very specific example. But if you think about content on social media in general, there's always... And like triggered, triggered is... A buzzword now it's like everybody uses it and what does that actually mean is it just it elicits an emotional response in somebody
1: yeah triggered we initially started using the word triggers and also thank you renee for bringing that piece up because this is the challenge with the speed at which social media is moving and our information consumption as our brains can't keep up with it so then we are constantly using these words and these terms without understanding their true meaning and it's just it's like a wildfire So triggered actually comes from more of our research and clinical work within post-traumatic stress disorder, where we look at, you know, you were in a car accident and so then the car becomes your trigger. And so we then need to work around and work through PTSD, get treatment for it so that those triggers. Isn't so much that they're no longer something that creates a response inside of you, a reaction, but rather you can learn to respond differently to that. So a trigger is anything that creates this emotional, cognitive, physiological, or behavioral response within ourself behavioral meaning I avoid getting into the car emotional meaning I'm anxious and I'm overwhelmed physiological as I feel my whole body freeze and tense up and the thoughts being I I can't get in this car I'm going to get into a car accident this is so dangerous right Mm. so a trigger is this outside piece of information or we can look at it even from the nervous system perspective which I love talking about Um, the nervous system perspective is triggers are going to be Anything that's inside of you, your own thoughts and feelings, your own memories, sensations, something happening between you and the other person, someone like between, and then external. External being what's happening in the world, what's the news, what's the social media posts that I see. And so that trigger then stimulates uh, a nervous system response. Am I staying calm and connected? Or am I going into a space of fight or flight or freezing and shutting down?
0: So. On social media, because I always think like if somebody's triggered, oftentimes their response is that it's the person that has triggered them that is in the wrong. Like you
1: did something wrong. Which is something that we do. And maybe you've started to see Milo do it, although it might start to come up in a little bit, is that it's actually part of our brain development. It's an egocentric perspective is that when we project outwards it's because actually our brain is not able to go inwards yet our brain can't do self and other perspectives our brain so so one of the most common examples is you know one of the kids will be like ah oh, you tripped me and i'm like standing on the other side of the room not near them <laughs> and i'll say and and so we've actually talked about yeah that's that's a blame and you're looking outwards and gosh that doesn't feel good when you trip and I wasn't standing here tripping you, so let's look to see how tripping could have happened. But it's our job as parents to help our kids learn perspectives, to practice taking perspectives. And for many of us, we don't know how to do that. So then we continue into adulthood with this perspective of very much projecting outwards, putting our pain onto other people, blaming other people, rather than going inwards. And it it was totally seen all over those comments on your reel. So I'm going to go outwards and tell you that you're the issue.
0: The little spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie, mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs. They have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it, and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge... Huge win for your family. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year and we have been thinking a lot about our long term health. a reel on the podcast account and it was it did really well because it's funny and it's relatable but it was so basic and it's just me with text and it says like the number one thing you should bring on vacation when you're traveling with your kids or something like that and then at Mm -hmm. the very end it just like pans to my mom playing with milo in the background in the sand and it says like grandma that's it very simple Mm. cute TikTok. And then I got a DM from someone saying that, you know, I have a very diverse audience and I need to be more careful with what I'm posting because some people uh, may have lost their moms or don't have a good relationship with their mom. So their children don't have grandma and so on and so forth. And so I responded saying, I totally understand what you're saying but as someone that creates content, if I were to publish content, thinking about stuff like that, like to that level, mm-hmm. at where mm-hmm. do I draw the line? Do I not right. post content about my husband because some people are single parents and they don't have a partner? Do I not right. post about my sister? Because some people may have lost their sister. Like, where do you draw the line? And so it's hard as someone that puts out content because no matter what, there's going to be a group of people that are triggered or that do not like your content because of experiences or situations that are going on in their own life. So it's like, you can't put a trigger warning and, you know, write this big long caption for every single piece of content that you post that's trying to acknowledge every single person's experience that could possibly be happening in the worlds.
1: So let's take us first a um, perspective in terms of you as this business, as this entity that you are, and that you, of course, none of us will ever know all of you on the outside. That's not possible. Wh- whatever kind of mm-hmm. business you're running, we will not know who you are as the true person. Only you know that. But then we have this layer around us of how we show up and we get to make that decision. And one of the best ways, Renee, for you to show up in this space is going to be for you to be fully authentic to yourself. Um, Mm. Look up second self and it's a really good piece to do some reading around that second self because what we're doing when we present ourselves out to the world is we're putting on our second self and the challenge though is that when we're showing up in a way that we think other people want us to show up that is when we are internally distressed it's when we will not internally feel aligned or feel good we're more likely to burn out but then also imagine then you post something of like I don't know you and your relationship role. And then people are like, what, how could this happen? And in some ways, if I even think of, um, Rachel Hollis and her husband, people were so shocked to hear that they had separated because their second self into the world was portraying them as this happy, connected marriage. So there's that piece, but I think we need to also come back to, we, we are responsible for our own triggers. We can't ask the world to be different. And I think, so I I want to say that again, and I want people to hear me on this, and I'm going to also add something to it. We are responsible for our own triggers. This does not make it okay for you to accept and tolerate abusive and disrespectful behavior, and that is so important. It doesn't give people permission to treat you poorly. But instead, what we can do then is we can have our own sense of agency and make choices that are going to be the best for us. So, hey, you know, Renee's putting out this content and, you know, I'm noticing I'm not feeling all that great watching it lately. So I'm going to just mute her for 30 days and see how I feel when she pops back up. And maybe I choose to unfollow her. But look at that choice that I can step into for myself so that I can feel good. It's not possible to ask the world to change. And when I think of what I do with my community, the clients in my office, my book, Mm. um, all of those pieces are you have to make choices for you. Nobody is making you stay in a relationship. Nobody is saying that you absolutely must be a certain way, but we can't make other people change. So we have to then go inwards and say, how is this working for me?
0: Yeah. And I think it's very unrealistic to think that you can scroll social media and just love every piece of content and relate to every. That's usually if I post something like the biggest criticism that I will receive is like, this is not relatable. And it's like, not everyone is going to be relatable to everyone, not like there might be certain parts of my life that are relatable to you and other parts that are not. And it's like, it's almost like that's become a a point of criticism is you're not relatable. And it's like, oh,
1: OK. It reminds me of um, Kohut's self-psychology. And the three principles within that, it's a really nice, uh, alignment with attachment theory and the three, the three pieces we look for in our relationships in, in this perspective, are sameness. We are the same mirroring you mirror back to me and twinship. We are identical. Did I get them right? I might've fixed them up, but what we do though, we do this in our relationships we do this on social media is if you and i are the same and we view this as the same then this feels safe and soothing for me mm. so even this idea of all of those dms for you or the comments on that reel of like no you have to view it this way this is us trying to find safety because when things are predictable in the world we feel control we feel a sense of certainty and even though that familiarity though, is not necessarily what's good for us, but familiar is safe yeah. instead of what I help people learn to do is tap into what this interdependence piece is, which is I have my whole self inside of me. I am okay. I have different thoughts and feelings from you. In fact, I have all of these different experiences and. There's nothing wrong with them. They're all of mine and I'm okay. And then you have all your different thoughts, feelings, opinions, desires, and wishes, and you're okay as well. And now how are we going to co-create our world together? How do we come in and be autonomous, right? We want our autonomy, but we also want intimacy and connection with people, which, which if I'm telling you, we need to be connected. We can't connect if I say to you, you can only play with trucks in my sandbox. Do not bring your shovel or your bucket. This is a trucks only zone. Come play with me and be in relationship with me. And that's not possible. Mm -hmm. We have to co-create that. You get to bring your bucket and shovel into my sandbox and I will find a place (laughs) to play with cars.
0: Yeah. I love that. So before we finish up this episode, is there anything else you wanted to say? But I'm going to ask you a little bit about your book.
1: Oh, there's this piece around us wanting to play armchair psychologist. Oh my gosh, yes. Oh, and, and you know, I can enc- I, I want to encourage listeners that one of our our downfalls, I think, as as humans, is wanting to to find our whys. Why is this happening? Why do people do this? Why, rather than maybe going inwards and saying, "What is this serving for me? What's mm-hmm. do- what is this doing for me? And what do I need?" And what do I want to be different? And rather than looking outward all of the time, let's go inward and, you know, explore what's going to feel good for us.
0: And not everything is so deep and traumatic. Like not everything is so deep. Like I can't imagine scrolling social media and Mm. diving so deep into like a 30 second video from people I don't even know like who has the time i just like i don't have the mental energy
1: to do that like it's not a big deal it's it it's again something that it's serving the other person yeah and and again i i think the biggest thing i want people to know is that whatever your reaction was to your reel it's not wrong or bad you're allowed to have that reaction it also doesn't mean it's based in truth. two things can be true mm-hmm. that that was not the intention behind your behavior behind your mom's and your grandma's behavior that was not the intention behind that, and that's really important for us to recognize,
0: yeah, I feel like intention is never it's not considered enough in so mm-hmm. many areas of our life. It's like, yeah, yeah, but was there intention like maybe something uh, bad or not, they reacted in not the best way, but like, was their intention uh-huh. to be malicious uh-huh.
1: or was it, right? you know, anyhow. So, so in 2016, uh, just to give a context, so I started my social media space in 2018 and I was pretty early on with people um, and there weren't as many therapists on at the time and this knowledge translation was starting to pick up In 2016, so just two years before that, I remember a a therapist in the community here saying, gaslighting, I've never heard of that term before. What is that? How do you understand that term? And now at which the speed of these words are being used, we have to understand that the language we use matters and it affects our relationships and also affects our internal understanding of things. Of ourself, of the other person, of the world, and so if I say to myself, "Renee's manipulating me," and then I start to to repeat that in my head, I'm then going to see when you text me, I'm going to confirm that bias I hold. Ah, oh, she's manipulating me, and then AI or the algorithms, whatever it is that's going on, then the algorithm knows to show me a post on manipulation. I'm like, oh, look, there's the behaviors that Renee's doing. That's exactly it. See, she's a manipulator. She's gaslighting. And so then we start to lose that perspective and that flexibility. And it's it's been so interesting actually to observe this behavior, the uptick of these conversations from lots of people, sometimes people who are not qualified to have these conversations, My colleagues and I, we spend our lunches talking about how interesting it is to observe this because what it ultimately comes down to is we can't lose our sense of agency. We Mm. have choices and that other people, we can look at intentions and if something's not Mm. working for us, then we need to make a change. We can do that though. I know there's a lot in there. So if you are listening and you're like, okay, Dr. Tracy, like I can't make a change. This is too hard. Please reach out for someone to support you for that because yeah. it is hard to change.
0: Um, you have something very exciting happening in your life. So I wanted to talk about that just a little bit. The When you have a book coming out, which is like so exciting, so incredible. Have you seen the cover of it? Like, have you seen a final product?
1: You did? I do not have the official product in my hand yet, but I have printed out the cover as it would look in, in front and back and the spine. And it is, and I've, I've seen every page in the book. I have read reread every page in the book to look for if there's a period or a comma in the wrong place. Um, it's unreal 300 pages.
0: Okay, so what was, how long did it take you to write? Why is it, you can tell us a little bit about the topic, like what the book is about, and why did you choose that specific
1: topic for the book? Mm -hmm. So the book is called I Didn't Sign Up For This, and I was repeatedly seeing the same thing show up in my office. I work with primarily couples and mothers, and it was this theme of this relationship that they thought they had signed up for. And of course, we have that honeymoon stage where things are really good. And then as things do, they change. But continuously, not just parents, because the, the cases in the story are not just parents. Um, but continuously, people kept showing up saying, I didn't sign up for this. This isn't the relationship I wanted. And, we, you know, we can try to do the communication strategies. We can try to do um, the division of the labor differently or our love languages and ultimately, I believe that at our core, we're working to do something else, which is what you and I have talked about here today, which is building interdependence. We live in a society we, where we are so fearful of codependency now that we've actually swung so far into, interdepend, into independence mm-hmm. and that we're losing that space of what it means to look like interdependently, a healthy relationship of self and other, of autonomy and intimacy And it's at this crux that we struggle with, of how do I still be a separate self while also coming together with you? And as our relationships unfold, we know that all of our unhealed wounds, our early childhood experiences, and these repeating patterns in our relationships just start to show up and they become entrenched. When I thought about writing this book, I wanted to bring it alive for people because I often get questions of what happens in couples therapy? what actually goes on inside couple relationships. And so the book is actually five cases. Mm. So there's a story of a blended family where they are navigating a difficult ex-wife and how they are trying to be a good, strong relationship while also blending their family. Um, There's a story of a woman who shows up in my office because many people show up individually when their partners say, I don't want to come to therapy. And she's a classic people pleaser, experiencing anxiety and really struggling to feel close with her partner now that they have two kids. There's another couple where they are struggling with a really difficult mother-in-law who shows up unexpectedly on the front door and no. her, her husband does not know how to set boundaries and they're at a make or break point in their relationship. And then the fourth one is a couple with a young baby struggling to navigate the mental load. And then there's a fifth one inside, because when I was writing this book, what felt really real and authentic for me was also showing up as myself, because Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say, and this shows up with my clients in session as well, well, you got it all together. So how do I get the relationship like you? You you probably never struggle with this stuff. And a lot of times I'm sitting in session, sometimes it's not appropriate for me to disclose in those moments, but many times I'm sitting in session thinking... I wish you just knew. I wish you knew that when I had a child, our relationship completely changed. Mm. I wish you just knew that when I had my second child, I found myself crying in the shower saying the exact same thing that my clients did. So I didn't sign up for this. It's coming out September 12th. There are five stories in it and it's a page turner. You will want to get to the end, which is what I want for people. And then the the piece that makes it also part self-help Is that at the end of each chapter, I have reflection questions for you that you can do by yourself or with your partner so that you can take what you learn through story because Renee, I don't know about you, but we learn through stories Mm -hmm. and oftentimes it resonates even more so instead of kind of this, um, well, you should just do X, Y, Z, but instead when you say, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, the story of Ashley, I do exactly that and I see how she started to do things differently. Maybe I could start to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like me with my content. I can put out a TikTok explaining a situation that I went through with my husband, how it made me feel, how we like resolved it. And then everyone in the comments is like, oh, my God, I didn't realize why I was so like angry no. on Saturday mornings. And now it all makes sense. And, you know, it's right because you you can see yourself in the stories and relate to it. So those are really uh-huh. good cases Like, those are very um, relatable and I feel like the most common situations, you know, it's nothing like drastic, but it's like very, it's a lot of people are probably
1: in one of those four cases. Like, these common themes that show up day after day in my therapy room.
0: Oh, that's so exciting! Well, congrats on that. I'm very excited to see like the. It's always so exciting to see a physical book, you know? Like, I, love I know. It. Yeah,
1: it's it's amazing. Uh, I had a friend recently ask, "How how did you write it?" And I had said to her, "I said I don't know. <laughs> it came out of me. I'm not sure how it happened, but it's here, and it's it's so cool." So, if people are looking for more information, you can go to drtracyd.com forward slash book. And for people who do order it before September 12th, which is the release date, um, I've got a lot of special bonuses included in there so that you can continue working on your relationship while you wait for the book to come out.
0: Love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on on such short notice for such a an emergency of a of an episode. <laughs> for,
1: the, for the scrunchie. The, the oh, great for the scrunchie, scrunchie yeah.
0: incident, yeah
1: yes the great and and then we have the pancake debate and all of the other yeah what's what's gonna be next
0: what's gonna be next (laughs) I
1: don't know you're surprising me every time (laughs) so I I I appreciate you I appreciate you inviting me on and having this conversation and I I love how you bring in someone like myself or the conversations you have with Dr. Tanya Um, I think it's so important for us to have these conversations also, and... we
0: should mention that you have a podcast on the same network mm-hmm. as me now, and mm-hmm. it's called I'm Not the Your Shrink. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's it's so cool. This is such an incredible space. It has been something for me to give back to other people because, I, and I mean, you understand this, it's impossible to reach everybody. And this is such a, a powerful platform and um, the openness to be able to share. Mm-hmm. cool things to learn and grow and stretch which that episode with dr tanya was fantastic so good so right? good. yeah yes we gotta do another yeah.
0: one yeah all right well thank you so much and uh i'm sure we'll be chatting again soon Ha ha ha.